part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. If you would open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2, this morning we look at one of the most fascinating stories in the entire Bible. So much so that uh, some have speculated that it might be a parable instead of a real story. Some said, you know, uh, a man being swallowed by a great fish and all the events that happen in this amazing story, uh, it's probably just a parable. Well, I don't think so. I think it's a real story. Um, uh, the Bible records it as a real story, that Jonah was a real person. And what really nails that down for me is that Jesus treated it as a real story. And since, since he treated it as a real story and, and refers to it as a real event, I think that it is. And the basic backstory is that God calls Jonah, who's a prophet of God. So he's not only just a believer, but he's actually a leader. He's actually one that God has chosen to uh, go and preach and to tell people uh, about himself, uh, that is, about God and about God's kingdom. And um, he's instructed by God to go take a message to a people called the Ninevites. And the Ninevites... Uh, or to hear this message. It's only an eight-word sermon. Don't you wish you were listening to an eight-word sermon right now? But it was only, it was a real simple sermon, and he was going to go through the, the streets of this city and preach this. The problem was, Jonah didn't want to go. Now, a lot of people speculate that Jonah didn't want to go, and his hesitation was because he was afraid. That is, the Ninevites were known to be kind of a violent people, kind of a very stern people, and since he was preaching a message of repentance, that perhaps he didn't want to go because of that. But it really wasn't because of that reason, I believe. I believe that Jonah didn't want to go because Jonah didn't want the Ninevites to have opportunity for repentance. See, one thing that Jonah knew about God is that he was a God of grace and of love and kindness. And that if the Ninevites really did repent of their sins and turn to God, that God would forgive them. And Jonah didn't want that. So it, Jonah decides that he's going to rebel against God and that even though he's received very clear instructions from God to, to go and tell this story or this, preach this sermon to the Ninevites, he decides to go the other way. Kind of complicating this whole story is that the prophet Amos had predicted that it was going to be the Assyrians, and Nineveh is a major city there, were the ones that were going to come in and actually bring a correction to the Israelites, that God was uh, wanted to correct and discipline the Israelites, and that he was going to use the Assyrians to do that. So that kind of complicates the matter of that much more, and we can begin to understand why Jonah did not want to go. So humanly, we can understand that Jonah is not real excited about this message, and he decides that he's going to go the opposite way of Nineveh, and he's going to go to a place called Tarshish. So he gets on a boat. And, and maybe you're familiar with a lot of this story, but he, he uh, uh, gets on the boat. He tries to, to go to the opposite, most extreme part of the world that's uh, as far away from Nineveh that you could imagine. And Jonah finds out this life truth. You can't run from the living God. Now, many of us have tried that. 
There's many of us we can look back in periods of our lives where we tried to hide from God, we tried to run from God, actually go in the opposite direction of where God wanted us to go. And we found out that while maybe we could actually, you know, use our feet or, you know, take our minds and our hearts in the opposite direction of where God wanted to go, we could never escape the presence of God. And in Jonah's case, we can never escape the, the call of God. So he gets on this boat, and as they're sailing in the opposite direction of where um, Jonah's supposed to go, uh, again, maybe you're familiar, a great storm comes up, and the people, the sailors, even though they are uh, experienced sailors, they begin to really become extremely nervous because they realize that this isn't just any storm. This is one that can easily sink their ship. And so they tell everybody, even though they don't believe in the one true living God, they said, cry out to all your gods and, and pray for safety. And it keeps on getting worse. And they take measures to try to, you know, salvage the boat and everything, but the situation keeps on getting worse and worse. And finally, you know, Jonah was, he was asleep down in the, the kind of the uh, lower deck there. And they bring him out and, and Jonah begins to put two and two together. And Jonah begins to realize that he is the one that has really caused all this. They cast lots. They do all these things to kind of determine whose fault it is. But Jonah actually comes and he says, look, you know, the best thing that could happen right now is that you would toss me in the sea. If you toss me in the sea, since it seems to be that God is upset with me and he's the one that is causing this dilemma for everyone else, to to save yourselves, toss me in the sea. And you might wonder why Jonah would do that. But, you know, a lot of times when we know that we're in rebellion against God, that sometimes we, we very much can say, I deserve this. I des- deserve whatever punishment uh, someone might want to give me. And, and we can see a little bit of that with, with Jonah. And so they do decide that they're going to throw him overboard. At first they, they kind of, you know, don't want to, but then they decide that that is best. And we see that in Jonah chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now get this. The prophet of God is running away from God. These people that we would describe as pagan, non-believers, all of a sudden they see the power of God, and they respond to God even by offering this sacrifice to the Lord. So we really see kind of a, an amazing detail. But here is the part that I want you, uh, that, that I think that we remember the, the most. Verse 17, chapter 1. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now what does that have to do with the summer, summer series on great prayers of the Bible? Well, Right after Jonah is swallowed up in the belly of this fish, chapter 2 tells us of Jonah's prayer. It's the part that's really easy to skip because it's less adventuresome than all the other events that are going on in the four chapters of Jonah. And it's not, the, to some, the most exciting part. But I think it really captures the heart of this tremendous book. Because it's in this prayer that we begin to see not so much the power of prayer, but we see the kindness of God. Got a question for you this morning. Have you ever wondered if God hears desperate prayers? 
I mean, those, those kind of prayers when maybe it's a life and death situation. Does holy God, creator God, hear those prayers? I think most people would say yes. Even if they don't come from a Christian perspective, somehow if they just have this generic belief in God, that, that that's kind of God's responsibility, is that when we cry out that he's supposed to respond. When everything is falling apart in your life, and your life is in total chaos, and we throw up one of those what we could easily call a 911 prayer, because maybe we haven't prayed in weeks or months or years, and yet we get in this situation where we begin to see the urgency, and we're desperate, and we pray. Does God hear those prayers? Again, I think most people would say yes, and I definitely would say yes. We believe in a God that when we cry out in need, that he hears those prayers and that he responds. But would it change your answer if all of a sudden the trouble that you're in, the chaos that you are experiencing, was because of your own rebellion and your own sin? See, that's what the situation that Jonah's in. It wasn't just that, that he was out there preaching the gospel to the Ninevites and going through, and all of a sudden, you know, four really big men came up and wanted to take his life, and he cried out, God save me from these, from being beat up by these four men. It wasn't one of those situations where he was in the activity of God. He's actually in the activity of going in the opposite direction of God. He's rebelling against what God has asked him to do. Would that change your answer at all? Would you say, well, God hears the prayers, the desperate prayers of people when they just find themselves in, in dire trouble. But I don't know if God's going to answer the prayers of somebody who got into their own trouble and the trouble is of their own making. A lot of people say, well, you know, maybe God just allows judgment to happen and we get what we deserve. That's probably the part of the reason why Jonah confessed to the sailors that, hey, throw me in the sea. Because this is what I deserve. But if there's one thing that we can know about God, then I think that we will see through here is, is that not only does he hear desperate prayers when we're just in those extreme situations, but even when we find ourselves in trouble that we have participated in, we're the ones that have crafted it, I believe that we will see in this passage that God hears those desperate prayers. What amazing God he is. Uh, Look at Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. I mean, right there we can have proof textually where he said, I cried out in my distress, and we know that he's in rebellion, and, and what did he say? And he answered me, God answers him. Now this is from the belly of the fish. God has already saved his physical life by having this fish come along and swallow up Jonah. I want you to understand that Jonah had done everything wrong up to this point. He had the wrong attitude, that is that he disagreed with God. God wanted to at least provide the opportunity for the Ninevites to repent and and turned to him, and Jonah disagreed with that. So he has a wrong attitude or a wrong heart, we could say. But he also was headed in the wrong direction. And as he begins to drown, he does one thing right. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. 
let me ask again. Does God hear the prayers of people in distress if that distress is of their own making? Yes. You see, this is not really a story about Jonah as much as it is a story about God. We see a a picture of Jonah's rebellion. We see sin. But the focus of this whole story of Jonah and even this prayer is God's amazing grace. And Jonah begins to see this. Look at verse 3. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Now, who's this you? Who's he addressing? Well, he's praying to God. Jonah has no problem understanding at this point that all of this of being thrown into the storm and in the, uh, the storm coming up and, and all these things, uh, the, the sailors, the waves, the billows, all of this is at the hands of God. He had tried to run away to Tarshish, but now he says that he sees that he cannot run from God and he cries out to God. See, one of the amazing things about the grace of God is that uh, he's this um, pursuing God. You know, we, we sing stories about and sing songs about how he leaves the 90 and 9 and goes to the 1. We see this repeated throughout the Bible, both in the events of the Bible and in different stories, that this is a pursuing God. And that's because God not only loves us, but God pursues us with his grace. I've shared this illustration with you before, but I, I want to do it again because to me, it's one of the greatest visuals that I need to continue to remember in my life. That God will speak to us. Now, again, I've never heard God audibly. I've never heard God out loud like a visible, you know, or an audible voice. But he speaks to my mind and my heart all the time, as he probably does to you. And he speaks through his word. And so God's voice comes into our lives, and sometimes that is a voice of correction. When we ignore that, we rebel. We we do kind of like what Jonah was doing here. We go in the opposite direction. In the kindness of God, Sometimes he will go from a voice to a tap on the shoulder. Hey, Bobby, this is not the right direction. And and he begins to correct us that way. If I continue to ignore, there's been times that that tap turned into a thump. And God, out of grace and mercy, began to just kind of thump in my life. And when I was still rebellious, there have been times in my life, as maybe perhaps there's been times in your life, when God actually took me by the shoulders and turned me around. Is that correction? Yes. Is that judgment? Yes, in a form. But it's grace. Because God doesn't want me to go to that path. And that's basically what he does with Jonah here. He allows a sea to become so tumultuous that the ship that Jonah is on is going to sink along with all the sailors. And, and, and they're all going to die there. And you can say, well, that's the judgment of God. You don't mess with God. Don't rebel against God. And yet, here we see the grace of God to keep Jonah from going to Tarshish, but to turn him around. What makes this one of the great prayers of the Bible is not the use of eloquent words, even though it's beautifully written, but it's the fact that Jonah cries out to a God And he realizes that God has saved him from a certain death. Look at verse 5 and 6. He he describes this downward spiral into the depths of the sea. Verse 5. The waters closed in over me to take my life. 
The deep surrounded me. Weeds, like seaweeds, you can imagine that, were wrapped around my head. I was at the root of the mountains. In other words, I was down to the bottom of where mountains actually start. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. So what we see here is that as he's cast into the sea, his whole motion is downward. Jonah begins to realize that it was his sin and that his sin has done this to him. He's headed down and he's doomed. Jonah realizes that he is utterly helpless to save himself. And he realizes that God owes him nothing but judgment. And yet look what he does in verse 6. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought me up. My life from the pit, O Lord my God. Do you get that? (laughs) He said, my life was going down because of my own sin, my own rebellion. I was going down. I prayed to you to to save me, and, and God, you brought me up. Now, how did God bring Jonah up from the pit? He appointed a fish. Jonah has no doubt that he was about to die. And he also has no doubt that God intervened. Look at verse 7. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Jonah learned two amazing truths that day. Number one, he learned about the depth of his sin, the depth of his sin. How, how just how horrible his sin was. He realized the consequences of that sin, that sin brings us down. But here's the second amazing truth that he learned that day. He learned the depth of God's grace. That as deep as his sin was, that God's grace was deeper. Remember, why did Jonah rebel against God in the first place? Because he didn't want to go tell the Ninevites about God's grace, this judgment that was coming, but if they repented that God would have favor with them, he didn't want them to experience God's grace because he knew that God was a grace-giving God if we repent and turn to him. These were evil people. And in Jonah's mind, they did not deserve God's grace. And yet through these events, Jonah learns of his own sin, how he is not deserving of God's grace, And yet, what we see here, he begins to experience God's undeserved grace. Look in verse 9, and you can see that from what Jonah learned from through his response. Verse 9, But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. What is Jonah saying there? He says, okay, Number one, I'm thankful. Thank you for saving me. And he says, you know, what you want me to do, I I will go. I'm going to go preach that eight-word sermon now. I'm going to go to the Ninevites, and I'm going to be faithful to the call that you've placed upon my life, God. But last part, salvation belongs to the Lord. See, Jonah, somehow, he didn't want the Ninevites to come to God. He didn't want salvation to come to these evil people. In his mind, his judgment says, you know, there's just no way that they deserve this. And now he makes this proclamation at the end of his prayer. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah's prayer is one of thanksgiving. It's one of repentance and surrender 
But it's also learning this amazing truth that God is a God who saves. He will go to Nineveh. He will preach this eight-word sermon to the Ninevites, and he will proclaim that there is no other hope but God, a God who wants to save. God shows grace to Jonah so that he can truly know grace and then begin to show grace. Let me say that again because this is a really important point because this is what God often does in our lives. God shows grace to Jonah so that Jonah can know grace. And and he's experiencing, he's expressing that now he knows that he is a recipient of grace. Why? So that he can go and show grace. See, God has never asked you or I to give out something that God has not first placed in our lives. He doesn't say, okay, I want you to go love this unlovely person. No, he loved me and I was the unlovely person. And it's out of that love that he has for for me that he now tells me to go love somebody that I would disagree with or maybe have uh, some kind of uh, 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 caustic relationship with. You know, naturally we would be divided, but God says, okay, no, I want you to go only love your enemy. I want you to pray for your enemy. God never asks us to pour out something that he has not first poured into our lives. And Jonah began to experience that. I don't know that Jonah really had a a grasp of, of how great the grace of God was. He probably just was raised a Jew and he knew that he was part of God's people and and that, okay, God just kind of is our God and, and we deserve this. But when he saw the Ninevites and their sin and their evilness, he, he couldn't understand why God would want to give grace to them. Somehow he thought he was deserving of this favor, but the Ninevites weren't. How easy it is in our lives to make that same assumption. For us to come to a place, whether it's love, whether it's grace, whether it's kindness, that somehow in our lives we're going, you know, man, that was their their own making of that mess, and, and I don't need to help them. Or they should work harder, or they should do this. Now, when we begin to grasp how we have been the recipients of God's blessing and His grace, that God has shown us this so that we can go out there and now be able to share that with others. Don't miss the miracles that happen in this amazing story. God sent a fish. He appointed a fish to come to the right place at the right time. I understand that God preserved the life of Jonah inside the fish for three days. All these are significant because these are a pre-picture of Christ. You're going, okay, this fish is a pre-picture of Christ? It really is. It's a pre-picture of in our death when we're spiling down and what we deserve is a certain death that here this fish comes along and is able to preserve. And, and the three days, Christ was in the tomb for three days. And theologians make a lot of that. I wish I could go into that further. But we really do see this as a pre-picture of Christ in salvation through him. And then I, I love the last part, that God calls the fish to vomit Jonah on dry land. I mean, folks, this really is the good news of the gospel. Jonah 2.10, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Going down, certain death. God brings him up, and he just doesn't bring him up. Now, again, if I'm God, I'm, I'm leaving Jonah uh, probably about 500 yards off the shoreline. 
So he at least has to swim back. At least he has to put some effort into it. But yeah, what does God do? He allows that big fish, and it must have been a pretty big fish, to go close enough to the shoreline and then to vomit out Jonah into dry land. Have you ever dug your own grave? I mean, not fig- you know, not not literally, but figuratively. I mean, you made choices, and maybe it's choices that you just knew to be wrong. You knew that it was rebellion against what God would have you do in your life, and, and you kind of got yourself in chaos. You got yourself in a mess. You had dug your own grave. I want you to know this morning that there is hope in a God who saves. A God that hears desperate prayers, even prayers of desperation that were of our own making. We were the ones that caused the chaos. We are the ones that rebelled against God. We're the ones that tried to run as fast as we could in the other direction. That in that downward spiral and as that judgment of that sin comes, as we cry out to a holy God, that we find out that he's a loving God and a God of amazing grace. And so to answer the question that we asked before, does God hear the prayers of someone who cries out even when they are drowning in the results of their own sins, their own rebellion, and their own chaos? Yes. A thousand times yes. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we are Jonah. And maybe there hasn't been times when you called us out as a prophet to go to a a land and preach an eight-word sermon to an evil group of people. But Father, you are God over us and certainly you have a plan for our lives. And there's been times that we have knowingly rebelled against that plan to serve ourselves, and Or maybe just because we disagreed with you. You said get out of that relationship and and we didn't like that so we, we just got into that relationship. You said, don't go here, and Father, we wanted to go, so we went. And and Father, nothing but trouble, nothing but chaos happened as a result of that. In that moment of desperation, Father, when we were overwhelmed, maybe even in danger, and cried out, God, save me. Father, you hear those prayers. Father, you heard the prayer of Jonah. And Father, we thank you that this is a picture of, of not only the, the life of Jonah, but Father, our lives and, and the beauty of the gospel. So Father, today, I, I pray for myself that I will realize the depth of my sin so that I can understand and grasp how amazing your grace is because I can never show grace, Father, until I understand how much I'm a recipient of it. So Father, pour your grace into me so that I can pour it out in my relationship with others. But Father, if there's, there are those out there that they just find themselves in a very desperate situation, Father, they find themselves without any hope, and they even maybe come to that conclusion, just throw me overboard, I deserve this, I'm the one that messed everything up. Father, this morning, will you let them know that you're a God of amazing grace, that when we turn from our sin, Repent, Father, and we turn to you and cry out to you. 
that, Father, you provided not a fish for us. You provided Jesus Christ himself so that we might be saved. We love you and we thank you. What a good, good father you are. We pray this in the hope that is Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.